So, Jimmy, I have a question. Last week, you um, were saying that my hair did not look like a Lego person when I got on the call. And, you know, I couldn't decide after that if that was if that was a compliment or of how it normally looks or if that was – I don't know. I couldn't figure out what to think about that. I don't take really it from care. A, take it from way. a man who has – Take it from a man who has uh, about 40% of his original hair on his head. It's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> how you guys doing? I'm doing good. Good, how are you doing? I like I your hair have, today. I only have think. 60% of my hair, but I'm okay. <laughs> you got more I'm than me. about that. I did the math right. <laughs> we do have an interesting ramp of hair between the three. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, You're at the huh. top of the heap, Bob. Congratulations. <laughs> well, it depends on which way the ramp goes, you know? I don't know. Yeah, it always goes up. Anyway, talking, are you guys talking about hair loss? It always goes up. Uh, it, I, I, we had a really bad uh, snow squall yesterday, but by the end of the day, it stopped and wasn't it wasn't an issue. You know, very rarely do you get those snowstorms where the roads become impassable for more than just an hour or two. Yeah, when you live in the rural, semi-rural, semi, semi-suburban area, it gets all wiped <laughs> away. <laughs> was it wasn't so snowy that I needed my my automatic snowplow guy would just roll through here. Some days when it gets really, I know it gets snowy when uh, my guy Eli just whips through my driveway. Oh, that's, yeah. that's when I know. Either I'm not home and I'll see a camera notification that my driveway was snowed and plowed, or I'll just see him pass by one of the windows and I know it's that snowy out. Hmm. It hasn't been it hasn't been so bad. Usually by now we're sitting on like four snowstorms of ice that don't go anywhere. But now it's only just this one. And it'll probably, well, the weather is obviously going to be super cold for the next few days. So it'll yeah. stick around. The birds are okay. Everybody asks. The birds are okay. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. In case you're wondering. I was wondering. I had a hard time sleeping last night because I was worried about your birds. <clears throat> a lot mm-hmm. of people who don't have birds think birds need to just live in the warm weather and that when it gets cold, they have to come into the house. Even though last night on <laughs> Instagram, one of the chickens was in my house. There's one chicken that is in my stories from time to time, and she she and one rooster have been banished from the coop. So they never go to the coop at night. They just go to the back porch. And occasionally when it's warm out, I leave the window open for the cats to come and go, and the rooster knows, so he comes into the kitchen. So I will have been gone all day long, and the cats and the rooster are in the kitchen. And this other chicken, she's really cute. She's just like, she's very docile, and she's very friendly. She lets me pick her up and stuff. She She's been banished. For a long time, almost almost ten months now, she never goes back to the coop. She just sits on the back porch, and then she waits for me to give her cat food in the morning. So she's always <laughs> at the back door. So yesterday it was so cold, and she was all by herself on the front porch in the wind and the snow. I brought her in the house for a little bit. So she like hung out in the kitchen for a few hours to warm up. Never but having to be been fair, to your house and see see the animal interaction. I just kind of always assume that there's a chicken in your kitchen. Honestly, just like it just feels like there's probably one in there all the time. <laughs> well, if they if they knew if they were potty trained, they they would be in my bed with me. I don't care, but they indiscriminately go to the bathroom, so it's it's tough. It's mm. a tough call. But there are a lot of privileged birds who travel down south every every winter and bask in the, right. in the in the warm weather so well chickens in a coupon they don't go anywhere i, yeah, I must say i'm surprised that a couple of years ago i had ducks well during the tv show we had ducks here at the house but 
they one by one flew away. And now these five ducks I've had since April, they haven't gone anywhere. They act so privileged. And if anybody has ducks, they're like very privileged and entitled. And they just squawk to each other. So like anytime you come by, they all start talking to each other about you. And they know you don't understand what they're saying. So they just talk freely about you in front of you. Uh, it's just like high school. Yeah. And then, yeah, but ducks. when you go to the chickens, the chickens come up to you because they need you. They know they need you. The ducks act like um, I'm living in their life. And mm. I need them. And they always mm. walk away from you. They don't need anything. When I bring the food out, they stay far away. They're like, we don't need him. We have our own food. But as soon as I walk <laughs> away, they come running. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, wow. they're entitled. So complicated. Seriously. The hierarchy is, is crazy. The, the birds yeah. and the turkeys and everything. Hashtag David, are, your, are your wiener dogs entitled? Oh, big time. They're sleeping. Okay. <laughs> They're sleeping in, in fuzzy beds with three blankets right beside me right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a heated mattress pad on our bed, and the dogs sleep in the bed with us. So, yeah, they sleep in a heated bed at night. Very, very privileged dogs. <laughs> That's funny. Well, my dogs sleep in crates. Jenny uh, has been trying to get me to let our dogs, like, Room. They're a couple of years old now, so they're probably old enough to be in the house a lot more than we let them, you know, unattended. But they're big, and I really like sleeping in a bed without touching a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I know that if those dogs are in my bed, they're going to be on top of me and underneath yeah. me. And, yeah, I don't really want that. Hmm. Anyway, what have you guys been uh, working on? Go, Dave. Well, uh... Just so I yesterday I put out a video. A, I, I made a side table with a laser, and that wasn't supposed to be the video that we were going to make. We shot this video last week. I was planning on making this huge, not huge, but a very large record player stand, all out of plywood, doing the whole layer thing. And then I so I drew off this thing, and the night before I realized there was going to be way too much waste in the plywood and it was going to take a lot of plywood. So I called an audible and I switched up the design. I'm like, Oh, I need a quick little side table. So I pulled up some Pinterest images and what I thought was a common design. I, I kind of, I, I, I stole this design for a side table and I made that on the laser, um, all, layer by layer. So the, the, the video was supposed to be making, fine woodworking furniture with a laser, but doesn't look like it was made with a laser. And I think it right. came out really good. I was super excited with the way it came out. And I got an email yesterday from the person who actually designed that table and said, you stole my design. And uh -oh. he was very upset and he had every right to be upset because I didn't look into it. After I got his email, I, I looked at, I looked at the images that I pulled for inspiration, thought it was a common design, dove into a little bit more, and th this particular design of the table was definitely his. Like, the style of legs was definitely his. I, there are other tables like it, but this one was definitely his, and I should have just did a little bit more research. Mm. And so... In the video, I didn't claim that the design was mine. I didn't. I don't have plans for it. I didn't. I didn't talk about the design at all. But I also didn't give him credit. I didn't say where I got the inspiration from, and so he had every right to be upset. And so, 
I can, maybe we can we can we can talk about that. The, 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 the design is so good that I thought it was a common one. That's how yeah, good it, the design it, is. It looked yeah. like something that might have come from the '60s, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, this gentleman, he has a he sells these on Etsy, and then he has a YouTube channel, and the YouTube channel is called Stuff Seth Makes. And I'm wondering maybe we can talk about design and and, and stealing and borrowing because I. A lot of my videos are based on design. I take a lot of pride in the stuff that I design, and then mm. I made this mistake, and yeah. I'm very embarrassed by this. This is well. So I'm curious. <clears throat> Before we get too far into that, I know that you're. Uh, I know your personality, so I know that you legitimately did not mean to steal something from somebody. Right. But I'm curious. If you've thought yet to put yourself on the other side of the equation there, and if you've thought about what your response would be if someone had taken one of your designs that was a Pachuto design and done mm -hmm. the same thing with it, with the same intention. Yeah. I'm just curious so, if you've thought through that. I have been on the other side of that, but I think it's different. I think I am putting mm -hmm. myself out there. I make a living from YouTube videos, and... There are certain things where I, you know, I release plans. You can, you can make this, and I'm encouraging people. You know what? For the most part, I basically, I, I can only remember one time where I said, "This is my thing. I'm not going." You know, uh, for the most part, I am encouraging people to take m my design and and do whatever they want with it. Mm -hmm. That's that's mm -hmm. that's been my whole thing all these all these years. Yeah, I like to say that I'm open source too. When it comes to these yeah. leather bags, I mean, we can get into it more in the body of the of the episode. But uh, I, I, I'll tell you, my issue with the leather bags is a lot of people want the designs, and I've been I mean, giving out the pattern to a few people here and there. I jokingly, but somewhat seriously, say I'll beta. They asked me for it, and I said I'll beta test you. You take the design, you play with it, and you tell me if you could make it. Let me let me see what your final result is. Derek was one of those, and obviously Derek has been showing him. And when people say, "Are oh, you making Jimmy's bags now?" He says, "No, I'm just making these for my wife and my daughters. You can go to Jimmy and buy one. <clears throat> and if you go to Jimmy for the pattern, we'll talk to him about it." And uh, so I've been just a little bit on the fence whether I should publish the the file or not. A anybody with a brain could look at the bag and just see how to make the file. It's, I mean, you can just look at it and reverse engineer it in two seconds. Uh, but I'm just a little nervous that if I sell the pattern, someone's going to start an Etsy page and do better than me. And that would be annoying. <clears throat> but I'm just kind of reckoning that. I'm just figuring that. I'm just trying to reckon that in my mind. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the things that I sell, I actually encourage people to take that. And if they can figure out how to make a make money doing those things i encourage that so um and this person he's not a uh his channel is called stuff stuff seth makes and he's not a professional youtuber right he is trying to start a furniture business and so he's coming from a a, a, a different a different angle so mm -hmm. yeah i my stuff i'm encouraging people to take it do better than me. Sell it at a craft show. Sell it on Etsy. Right. Try to try to make money from it. Yeah. I basically we're offering up. Ultimately, I don't do as many plans as you guys, but we're offering up the plans for everything that I make. That 
is easy to make. And a lot of the stuff I make is a improvised and it's a little difficult to just copy. But more than anything, I want people to be inspired by my stuff. Take it, make it better, just like you said. Mm -hmm. But I could see a, a small guy that has an original design being... But the best you could do is make it right. It's an honest mistake, and that's what you're going to do. Yeah. I do, uh, going back to your point of like somebody could reverse engineer and, 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 and do that, I find there are a, a certain group of people who don't like the design part or don't care to figure out how to come up with patterns or to draw whether it's on a computer or graph paper they just want they just want to do the cutting and making and finishings and so right, yeah. the sometimes yeah, the it's simplest funny. projects will still sell the for, it's, you know, those, it's those funny templates. i i growing up i always didn't understand that i still don't i have a little bit of a hard time understanding that because to me the, the fun and joy is in is in the mechanized uh, uh, reverse engineering and engineering and figuring out the mechanics that go behind the actual shape and the design Here's an example growing up with my dad. My dad would constantly pull pages out of popular mechanics and popular woodworking for projects that he would want to make. And he would have to use those designs. Exactly. Like if somebody drew a duck on a graph, my dad would have to draw that exact duck on a graph. And in my mind, I was always like, if you want to make a duck, just make a duck. You don't have to make that exact duck. But my dad really enjoyed doing the work more than the figuring like the figuring wasn't even yeah. part of the equation my yeah. dad would see something and make exactly that instead of being like oh let me make a side table he would have to make exactly that side table like any yeah, big deviation I, it was I've, almost like he wasn't doing it right i've definitely experienced that there are a couple things like um you know, some of the plans that i sell that like, there's a lamp and there's just a decorative little strip of wood and and a couple of the pieces doesn't need to be there it's just purely decorative it's a contrasting piece of wood but it wasn't in the original plans and i got a bunch of emails saying i want to do exactly what you're doing how wide is that how deep is that like they want to make the exact thing they don't yeah. want to do any figuring their pleasure yeah. is in the actual making of the thing yeah well that's that's good for people that sell plans so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah 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 i think that's pretty common i mean you know it I've actually been thinking about similar things uh, in a different context the last couple of days <clears throat> about making very custom solutions for things uh, in my own life that are not going to be related to videos necessarily or anything like that. So I, I did an Instagram post the other day about this. This is, uh, I have an aquarium. My, keeping aquariums is one of my hobbies that's mostly off the internet. And so I have this planted aquarium. You have special lights for plants and aquariums to help them really thrive. <clears throat> I got this new light, and it sits across the top of the aquarium. But when you do that, um, the light goes everywhere, and so people will put hoods over the lights to keep the light down, not shining up into the room. So basically I was trying to make my own hood because you can't buy one for that light and whatever, whatever. So I started 3D modeling this... Um, this is the profile of the thing. It has a little slot for the light to fit in, and it sits down over the top of the aquarium and sits on this edge. So I was kind of playing with, could I make my own partially 3D printed hood for this big aquarium? And so I printed this piece out, set it on there the first time, and it fit perfectly. It covered the light. It like it was perfect. 
And I was excited about it. So I just did a little story about like, oh, this modeling thing worked and whatever. And I wish I could make a video about stuff like this because it gets me excited, but nobody would care about aquarium stuff. So I'm thinking my focus is on, I, I have a specific problem that nobody else is going to have. Nobody has the combination of specifics that this thing would solve. And that's the way I'm looking at what the solution is. And so I, I said something about that. And I got a huge number of responses from people that were saying, I don't have aquariums and I would love to see that video. And I'm like, what? That doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense to me. But the thing is, what you guys are talking about there, about some people want to design and they want to understand how to make a, a, an X thing that they don't have. They want to see somebody else do that X thing development mm-hmm. for them as inspiration, you know? And so it was really, and I think we've talked about this in many different ways in many different episodes, but um, I'm constantly surprised that I come up with specific, unique Bob solutions for Bob problems, and I'm pretty sure that nobody else is going to care about that problem and that solution for that problem. But the response is almost always, I just want to see somebody solve a problem, not my problem. Mm -hmm. And I think you could kind of translate that same mentality to design or building. Some people just want to be able to build a thing. Some people just want to be able to design a thing and not build it. And we've all got these kind of like parts where our passion comes through. And this is the part of it, of the, of the whole process or of the making life that I really like. And then I have to do the other part because it goes with it. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it's pretty common for people to want to be able to just get the thing made. They want the thing more than the making or they want the making more than the thing. Um, and I kind of go back and forth on that yeah. personally. I mean, I I feel, depending on the day, I feel different parts of that feel more important to me. You know, To me, it's so organic to just do all of it. Yeah, it's it's very tied together. So it, yeah. for me, and I think for probably the three of us and a lot of people like us, you can't do one without the other. But sometimes mm-hmm. you care more about one than the other. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just... Uh, I, I've, I've kind of rediscovered... Adam Savage, like we all, I mean, I used to watch Adam Savage all the time back in the day. And then for a long time, I I didn't. And I've been watching the videos again because they're, he'll just talk for 20 minutes about some tool that I'll never, I have no desire of using this tool or ever getting it, but the way he approaches it and his love for well-made things, just uh, his perspective on things. I'm watching his videos because his perspective is super unique on, on things. And, um, I think that's what it's like your last couple videos, Bob, I've been problem solving and it's just like, Oh yeah, I'm never going to make a light hanging thing for my, my shop, but it was cool to see somebody else, how they tackle a problem. So I think there's a lot of like just watching somebody, just a different perspective on on doing something. Yeah, I think you know just to talk about myself again. <laughs> I think I have a. Um, a hmm, this sounds more negative than I mean it to be. I think I have a low opinion of my own 
added value there. I think like we I, all I, do. Yes, I, we times. probably all do. <clears throat> but I get called out by people on it sometimes. Like mm. you don't you don't think you're offering enough here in in a solution like that. You know, I'm thinking like this is this is just me. It's just like weird fish tank stuff. Nobody cares about this. And so I think I assume that even though I'm passionate about something, it's not going to translate well. And I think that's maybe just a self-confidence thing. I don't know what that is. But then you have people like Adam who are unapologetically just over the moon excited about the thing. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that he would be as excited about that thing if he was in a room by himself talking to himself. Yes. You know what genuine. I mean? genuine. Yep. It's very genuine and it's very deep and I don't think there's anything I don't think there's any confidence that goes with that that makes him that passionate about things that's just how he is you know um, you guys this so, is uh, remind me to tell you a story in the after no, show does oh, it remind me to show. tell you yeah about Adam Savage and, and Aaron okay and about that topic all right, all right. Oh, okay. I'm going to write that down because we're terrible <laughs> at remembering things like that. <laughs> we and had Adam a, Savage being super excited about something. Yeah. We had a topic that, Aaron had. that we forgot what yeah. the topic was. So we're, so we're rolling without a topic today. But the topic, yeah. <clears throat> I didn't say what I'm doing, but if I can give you a two-second thing. I've been working on finishing up a couple of projects that will be videos on my Patreon. I'm going to, this year is the year I'm going to start putting some videos on Patreon that I know won't do well on YouTube. So if you're a patron, you'll see some exclusive videos that won't appear anywhere but on Patreon. So I have two videos. One is me making the bag from soup to nuts, the bags that I've been making. So it's it's a lot of clothing changes and a lot of scenic changes because it's me making the bags filmed across 17 different processes of me. At this point, I've made about 45 bags at about five to ten per batch so i filmed each one of them so randomly the bag colors change and stuff but it's really more about the mm. technical assembly of the bag and the way it's made and engineered so that video will be on there and then i've been showing this week these uh these road case covers that go over these mobile bar units that i've been making for a whiskey brand called blade and bow which is owned by diageo which is the company that owns every liquor brand i work for so Blade and Bow mobile bar units is also going to be another exclusive Insta exclusive Patreon video. So anyway, so that's what I've been working on. And then today I'm going to start working on a six-pack wine holder. That'll be on my channel this weekend. That's going to be a, a Weaver leather video. But <clears throat> I wanted to bring it back to the topic and remember, Dave, do you remember how we met? I know it's been like 43 oh, years yeah. since we first met. <laughs> yeah, but it was bringing the it back stool. to the topic. Yeah, I remember I I was in Louisville working at the distillery in Shivelyville. It's a, I think it's Shively or Shively, Shivelyville. Is that right, Bob? Shively. Yeah. Shively. I, there's a distillery there. It's, uh, uh, I forget the name of it exactly. Anyway, it'll come to me. Right now it's the new, it's the new sort of visiting center for, for Bullet, but Bullet had just acquired it and it was this old antique. It was like the set of Saw. It was the coolest place. Me and Dave would go there and, and just get <laughs> that lost. Sounds and terrible. <laughs> no, it's cool. It was there's like all every like they they kind of abandoned the place. It's uh, where they used to make old Fitzgerald. So it has the smokestack that says Fitzgerald on it. 
I forget the name of the place. It'll come to me. But now it's owned by Bullet. But when Bullet acquired it, it was right when I started working with those guys. And so this giant complex, it's probably, there's a million rick houses on it. It's probably 25, 30 acres. But the main few buildings, me and Dave used to go rummaging through them. Because we were there to help start the visiting center. We did like some constructionism, some design. The reason I bring that up is because while I was there on like a two-week trip with Dave, I made the stool video. And in that video, I think I might be working inside the the factory there a little bit. And this was eight, nine years ago. And as soon as I posted the video, I started doing some research on other people that made stools. And right away, I saw, Dave, you made a very similar stool. And so I wrote you a message. It's like, I just put out a stool video, but I just want you to know, I, I acknowledge that you made one too. And I'm sorry if ours is the same, but I didn't really mean <laughs> to make it the same. <clears throat> I made a, like a pattern. I think I made kind of a, I used to, I call the design around Robin. It's when the end of one thing connects to the side of the other and it repeats at each corner. So you make mm -hmm. the exact same shape and then you connect it four sides. I don't know if any, that makes any sense. But <clears throat> I did a router pattern. This was way before CNCs and lasers were available to, you could, this was before you could buy them at the grocery store. And I did a, a router pattern and I think that was sort of like the skill showed off in there that you could bandsaw one thing and use it as a router pattern. And and you you wrote back, you're like, oh, it's cool. I don't own the pattern of the making the stool. It's all good. But you had just put the video out like shortly before me. So mm -hmm. Mine was anyway. pretty close, except I used two patterns. The front and back had one pattern out of MDF, uh, and then the, the sides, which were slightly narrower. Uh, yeah. And then they all kind of... Uh, it was just purely coincidence. Yeah. But there you go. Knocking things off helps you develop friendship that lasts 10 years. So you might just become friends with this gentleman, Seth. Maybe so. He's an amazing designer. He's got great stuff. I found him on Instagram, and uh, he follows me. So I'm going to follow him back today, and I'm going to send him a message. He, he wrote me a, no a really nice note about the TV show in March hmm. of 21, 22. So it's been a minute. So I, I, I have to say this here, too. I say it often, but I'm sorry for the people that write to me and correspond with me, and then Instagram doesn't show me you. And I have no idea that you've reached out to me, which is the main reason why on the bags, on the tote bags, I always say just email me directly because that is not going to get caught in any filter. If I give you my email. So I apologize to people like Seth and other people who write me messages and I don't see them because I don't know. I get hundreds of messages a week and Instagram doesn't show me. They don't show me half the messages I get from the people I do follow. So I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to change that. Do you, I, I have the skill. So, you know, I'll get an Instagram message and somebody will send me something they're making or they'll send me something that they think I'll, I'll like. And a times I'll reply with like the little emoji thumbs up. Mm. There's a little guilt to that because it feels like like a like a cop out. Like I'm not like taking the time to to think. But it is really yeah. the easiest way to for me to acknowledge <laughs> that I got something. I saw it. Thank you for sending that to me. Do you guys have any guilt in in doing emoji I always replies? Just say thank you. Okay. No, I, I say thank you, and I usually do like the. Uh, the the emotion that shows gratitude it's kind of like a smiley face with rosy cheeks it's yeah. kind of like with like with like squinty <laughs> eyes <laughs> is that yeah. like you know is that what that is i usually show that and i say thank you mm. but yeah, i have I i'll tell you a secret this isn't necessarily an emoji but i got so sick and tired of typing out the word thank you that you could go into your iphone settings mm -hmm. and with a prompt of just 
I don't know what the hell that noise was. This is really advanced the, for you, the little keyboard with, shortcuts. With yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, with the prompt, you can go through shortcut with the prompt of the T, it automatically spells mm-hmm. out the whole word thank you. So that's why I write thank you a lot to everybody, because it's really easy. Because <laughs> it's one <laughs> character. <laughs> I'm going to change that sentence to thank you. I really appreciate that. That's the whole, So that's going to be the T. So there there's an app. Just you can do that in the in the iPhone settings. You can do it on the on the computer. There's also an app that I've been using for years called Text Expander, which is the exact same thing, but you can have more complicated like you could have it put in the date like today, you know. Mm-hmm. Um or kind of dynamic stuff. Um but man, yeah, I've used that so many times. Every time you see hashtags on anything that I've touched, it's because I hit the right key command to mm-hmm. have all the hashtags go bloop and just <laughs> pop up. Yeah. I do a lot of that. But to your question, um, I have, for some reason, I've been getting a lot more Instagram messages lately, I, just based on the certain things that I've posted. And I do feel a little bit bad that the responses are like thumbs ups or hearts or whatever, but. Uh, I don't think about it in the moment because I'm like, yeah, I have you know 50 messages to read, and so I'm gonna I'm going trying to go through them quickly. But then when there's one by itself and it's not in a group of them, I'm like, I should probably say something more than just like mm-hmm. thumbs up. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know, hopefully people understand that it's not personal. It's not like we're trying to be short. It's just sometimes you have to get through a lot of stuff. But anyway, um, back to the design thing. So or I guess past the design thing. I don't think, and I think anybody that knows you would know that you didn't intentionally not credit somebody. But once you get in a situation like that, once you have some sort of a, an online confrontation or you know, there's some tension with someone or with a group of people, because we all get this. We, this happens for different reasons. How do you respond to that? What do you do with that, like, you're public facing to some degree. There's a tension between you and another person, or a group of people, or a company, or a. You have this thing that you can resolve in different ways, or you can ignore. So, like, I have kind of a hard time with this because I don't really like confrontation. And so, when it becomes somebody that I don't personally know, I have a harder time. I feel guilt. Whether I should feel that guilt or not is debatable, but I have a hard time with those situations. What do you do? How do you specifically handle something like this? Well, in this particular case, I am in the complete wrong. And so the first thing is there's no playbook, and I don't think there should be a playbook for this because I think each situation is going to be very unique. Um, It's the moment I got the email, I was like, crap, I... I'm in the wrong. And so that's like the first thing is like, okay. And now I guess I'm talking about it here on the podcast because I don't know what to do next. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I, 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 uh, I didn't mention them in the video. I'm thinking in the next video where I actually design something, I might take a moment to just say what I did. And and maybe we could maybe it's like a I'm trying to think of how to say this a, a teaching moment sounds too high school teachery but m- maybe i can just acknowledge like hey i screwed up 
and mm-hmm. I, 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 I took something that wasn't mine and probably made you think that it was mine. And maybe I can just, I don't know. I guess I'm here talking about it on the podcast because I don't know what it's to a do. Little ther- it's a little therapeutic. Yeah. You guys are reminding me of the, I just talked about the TV show. Um, the, the TV show we did was an extremely similar idea to Kids Invent Stuff. There's no doubt about it. Kids Invent Stuff was a YouTube channel that started right around the same time we sold the show idea. I didn't know about Kids Invent Stuff. I didn't come up with the idea for the show. I just was a participant in the entertainment part of the show. I, it wasn't my idea. I didn't sell the idea to Netflix. It came, the, show, the show came from one of the producers. Thought of the idea on his own from something on Instagram, not from that YouTube channel. There's a channel. Uh, he got the idea from... Two things were the impetus for that idea, and one was a guy who makes 3D objects of his child's drawings, but exact replicas. The guy takes the kid's drawing and then makes a 3D model of it. As messed up and screwed up as that little sketch is, this is what the really beautiful renditions in 3D of the kid's crayon drawings. Which is interesting, just to interrupt real quick. I did that several years ago, and I don't think I was the first person to do it. Right, right. But that idea is is long running in many different, you know, right. different ways. And so that was just an impetus that doesn't even, you know, we don't do that. We don't take kids drawings. We just take kids vague concepts and that's on, on the Netflix show. And another part of that chemistry was Ellen DeGeneres reviewing kids inventions, which is on the internet. So Mike came up with those two things and came up with this idea of what if we do shark tank where you take kids ideas and you make it just for fun. Simply for fun, and you know we're in some fantasy Willy Wonka world that doesn't exist, and there's no, there's nothing high stakes about it. It's just silliness, and that's what we did. And as soon as the show came out, everyone's like, "You stole this show from these people in the community." In fact, it, I have no relationship with Make Magazine, and I'm pretty sure that's exactly why, because uh, Caleb put out of an article which basically accused us of stealing the idea from them, and we didn't steal it. I didn't think of it. Me and the five guys on the show didn't do any research. We just went right into it and were like, oh, this is a fun idea. Let's have fun with it. Not knowing that, you know, there was a mo- everybody pointed it out to me and I had no idea. I can't say that I don't look guilty. I look totally guilty. And that's why ultimately I said nothing about it publicly. Here it is all these years later and I could, you know, at the time it was very emotional. I mean, I cried about it a lot. I literally cried about it. I mean, I remember talking, to, I was going to therapy at the time. And I was talking, I was like, it is really difficult to be accused of stealing an idea you didn't steal and everybody looks at it and I would look at it too and say he stole the idea. But I didn't knock on their door and say I have an idea yeah. that I saw on YouTube because I never saw it on YouTube and I didn't come up with the idea. The original pitch for the show was we were going to make things for fans and then when Mike got on, he's like, why don't we just make it more fun? Why don't we make stuff for dumb kids? I was like, all right, whatever. You know, We, we didn't think the show would even get made. Even when we made it. Derek goes, what do you think the chances of this coming to the air? I'm like, until you're sitting in your chair watching it with popcorn on your lap, nothing is ever going to happen because that's mm. the way TV is. I've been involved. We shot a whole season of a show that never even aired. You know you know what that's like. I mean, that's why when it comes to TV, you just never know what to expect. So we never pushed back and we never said this and we never said that. And, uh, you know, there's somebody else that was supposed to be in the crew since I'm talking about it. Uh there was a girl that was supposed to be on the show. Everybody knows her name. I'm not going to say it. She knows her name. She'll hear this. Everyone's going to go run and tell her that I'm talking about this. She claims that she told us in a meeting that we were stealing the idea from them. She never did say that. And I have a recorded saying, okay, this is a great idea. Let's go with it. So 
even she knew intimately about this and she didn't say anything. Ultimately, she didn't get hired to be on the show. But she was part of the team that was blaming me for stealing the idea. And I look guilty. The guys look guilty. But unfortunately, we were just a cog in the wheel. I did go and speak with the people at Kids Invent Stuff and we talked it through and it's not my life. The show is not my life. I don't do it every day. I was just sort of a participant in it. And it's their life. They're actively doing it. And I send people to go, you want to do more of this? When people say, you know, no, see, I go, go watch Kids Invent Stuff. That's what this show is about. But in, in all actuality, the show was really just an excuse for us to act like the Five Stooges. It really had nothing to do with the actual idea. It was more about us. Yeah. It was like a personality-driven thing. And uh, next time I do a crazy, wacky TV show, you, you, you know, you'll bet your bottom dollar that I'll make sure that I'm not copying somebody else's show, especially from a YouTube channel. You know, so I learned the lesson to do more research, especially if I'm going to be the face of the of the uh, of the thing. More research, yeah, yeah. So and uh, the way I handled it publicly, I mean, I'm talking about it now, and I'm not going to talk about it probably ever again. But it was really tough. I didn't say anything. You know, I was getting attacked online by the you know, the maker community in all all over the world. Like certain aspects of the maker community were were attacking me, and. I never said anything. I never fought back. I never said anything publicly. You know, this is the first time I'm saying, I have no relationship with Make Magazine at all. They just did that new fair on, and everyone's like, are you going to be at Make? Are you going to be at Make? No. I don't speak to anybody there. I don't have any conversations with anybody from Make Magazine anymore. And I think they think it's because I, they think I stole that idea. But that's, that's life. You know, I didn't steal the idea. I can go to bed at night knowing I didn't do it purposefully. I didn't get involved yeah. in it maliciously. And I spoke to, like I said, I spoke to the people at Kids Invent Stuff, and I squared it away, and that's the best I could do. And they're still doing it. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And again, I, I do just to make it clear that the, the idea was never, it was never, the impetus of the idea never came from them. It came from a different angle. And by the way, there's several people that do that, make stuff from kids. You know, we just we just did a version of it. We didn't do the, yeah. we didn't claim to make the, you know, to make the show. We didn't claim to make the invention of the show. I should say. I I do remember that time period. We talked, you know, yeah, it was behind the scenes. The, the three of us talked a lot about it off mics and stuff, and it was a very difficult time for you and for everybody that was a part of it, <clears throat> for that yeah. reason. And I think I think that reason of Knowing, knowing your intention, and then knowing how that may not square with the reality or the perception mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. the thing is hard. That's what's hard for me. There have been a few times uh, where I've had sponsors. <clears throat> it seems totally like legit, fine, not a big deal. Why would this matter? It's just a sponsor. You don't think that you have any particular reason to go looking for every possible angle about something like why would this be bad it's just a sponsor so you take the sponsorship and then immediately you get pounded with comments oh, I, of how I can you that. possibly be a part of something with this company or with these people oh, how can you possibly so how terrible are you and the thing about that that I have the most trouble with is like I just want people to understand my side of it I I didn't mean to do anything wrong, you know, or I didn't know that. How would I possibly have known this particular scenario was the thing? And, you know, it's it's not a matter of, like in your case, similarly, it's not a matter of not, you know, 
of, of intentionally doing something wrong. It's just wanting to be understood mm-hmm. that you didn't mean to do anything wrong, but you admit that maybe it wasn't the best fit or, you know, after the fact, you can see that, oh, I probably shouldn't have worked with them or talked about this thing or done this thing, but I didn't know that. And that is the hardest part for me because you can't retroactively go back and be like, well, I didn't know. Right. It it doesn't look authentic from other person's perspective if they're That mad, is the hardest mad. part. That is the hardest part for each one of these difficult. examples. My example, Bob, yeah. yours and Dave's, it, there was no malintent, but there's no way to prove that or make everybody looking from the outside be like, Ah, it was just an innocent mistake. Yeah, and it's hard to. How could you? How could a whole Netflix series be an innocent mistake? Unfortunately, that's how it was for me. I mean, yeah, but it can be. Me, me, and and everybody in the team. We didn't. We were like, all right, let's roll with it. Whatever. This show's never going to make it to the air, and we never ever for once thought anybody else had done anything like it until after the show was published. I never was like, I have the most original idea. We were just like, oh, this is a stupid idea. It's like Shark Tank. That's all I kept saying. It was like Shark Tank, which also isn't, you know, is out there. If I'm going to knock off anything, I'll knock off Shark Tank because it's such a huge entity. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when people are like, what's the show? I'm like, ah, it's like Shark Tank for kids, but there's no money involved. It's just their ideas get built. <laughs> and unfortunately, a few other people had a similar idea that were out before me. So it made it look like we took the idea. And... So yeah, that that gut feeling that each one of us felt, like, yeah. how can I immediately write this wrong? Like I said publicly, I just there's no way I could talk about it. I never talked about it. The people who know know, and there was some rumblings behind the scenes, like us and maybe a little after show chat chat. And you know, I lost two friends through it that I'll never talk to again. And it's on them. It's not on me. They're the ones that made that decision. I mean. I made the decision to cut them off because of the way they behaved around the whole thing. And it's on them to behave that way. And I'm sure they realize the silliness of it all. But yeah. that's that. And, there, you know, all of these scenarios are not the same. No. I'll point that out. I'm not trying to yeah. say that they're the same. Like, <clears throat> David, in your situation, you have an individual there who feels wronged. And making amends with that individual is absolutely it's a lot possible. easier. Like <laughs> it's a lot. It's yeah. A lot like easier. Jimmy, I watched you and Ruth from Kids and Vit stuff. I yeah. at a distance. I watched the two of you have a conversation in England. Oh yeah. And I, I saw I, it being resolved, and that mm-hmm. was really cool. You know what I mean? Like there was yeah. clarity in that personal conversation. And I, um, to be honest, I hope so. When I walked away, I was like, that went well, but. Right. You know, I, I, I went to the source. The woman, Ruth, is the woman who, who started Kids Event stuff. And, you know, the whole community was against me because of her. I mean, there was accusations that she pitched the show and Netflix took the show and gave it to us because we're men and took it away from her because she's a woman. That never happened. Never, ever happened. But that is the narrative that was out there. And how can I undo that narrative? I'm going to say this now. And there's still people that are going to be like, that is... He's, he's, he's lying. The show was taken away from her, literally pulled out of her hands. Her manuscript was taken out of her hands. We came in a couple days later and they handed it to us. That's not what happened. But there's no way to undo that myth. Right. But you know. the fact that you were able to talk to her, yeah. even if everybody else in the world still has the same opinion, 
there's there's a lot of closure in clarifying something with an individual person. Hundred percent. And I this, yeah. or this is the yeah. situation and now yeah. we are clear. And I think it's good, David, that you have the opportunity. Whether that person's responsive to that or not, you can't control, obviously. Right. Just do your but best. you have the opportunity to go to an individual. Some of the situations I think that we can find ourselves in are where we with sponsorship stuff. Or even with the Netflix like TV studio, you know, there's always these associations with a company, a faceless company that you can't you can't amend, right? You can't like you can clarify mm-hmm. with I talked to this person and this person and I are okay now, or this person hates me validly or whatever, you know, uh, these companies, it's, it's a little bit harder to, I don't know, smooth out to, to like get it figured out. And so I'm, I'm just saying that, that these examples for the people listening are not all the same. They have different consequences. They have different resolution, but, but I think one thing- still finding yourself in, in a confrontation where you are faced with, I didn't mean to, but here's the deal, is a tough thing to figure out. It's a tough say, thing to figure out. The how examples to, are all different, but that gut punch of like, yes. oh my God, I did something wrong unknowingly. Yeah. Regardless mm-hmm. of the severity of it, but that gut punch of like waking up and seeing that email and being like, oh man, how am I going to undo this? I didn't mean this for that for this to happen. It's not like yeah. we did something and we were like, okay, I'm going to stand here like a brick wall right. and this all hit me because I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. consciously yeah. know I'm just going to stonewall everybody because this was all my intention. I know I'm going to get a feedback, but you know what? I'm willing to deal with it. That was never, ever part of any of these three scenarios. Yeah, yeah. I would like to think I have good intentions in nearly everything that, I, that I'm that I'm doing. Um, I had a, a similar situation. I'm not sure if your sponsorship situation is the same or different than mine, and you don't need to say, but I did a sponsorship for this. It was like a graphic design by committee thing. And uh, so basically it was like you can, for a very low amount of money, you can pay a bunch of designers to design something and you pick the best one. And I got so much feedback saying, you used to be a graphic designer. How could you ever support something like this? I'm out. And I didn't realize at the time that I was doing something that was against the whole thing that i went to school for um yeah. and uh, and uh, was it like a fiverr kind of thing like, was it like I, I, I don't remember the name of the, the thing Started but something like design. that i had i did one with them as well that's one of my many examples i have a few examples okay <laughs> <laughs> did you get pushback bob too for doing that yeah and i got it internally forby who works with me mm. one of my best friends for as long as i can remember like he's a designer and i didn't think a thing about it and his response was this is bad because it devalues, and I totally understand it now that somebody you know with institutional knowledge explained it to me. This devalues the work of designers by making it like the lowest bidder, basically, um, right. and it makes it hard for a legit designer to charge an artist to charge what they're worth because they have to fight against these people who are like lowballing. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a five dollar design, and a bunch of those people. If ten people give you a design. Nine of those people don't get paid for it, and I didn't like. I didn't think about that. How? And I'm sure you didn't either. Like, yeah. how would you possibly think through every scenario in the life situation of all the people on the other side of that transaction? Like, not to say that it's not understandable, but 
how would how would you know that? <laughs> you know, I, and looking and back, so think, it seems like a really e- easy decision to say no. Look, like looking back, I'm like, right, yeah, that's everything yeah. that I stand against. And how did I not know? Right. I just got lost in but, the moment. But you didn't know. You didn't know. Yeah. And then once you did know, you had the opportunity to choose, and I had the opportunity to choose to work with them again multiple times, and I haven't because I understood that. But. I also don't go preaching to the world about how I didn't work with these people again because I'm good now, because I understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah. there's only so much you can do. But I think in that situation, in that particular scenario, I was able to get an understanding about the situation from somebody who felt it a lot more than I would have, my friend, as a designer. And then I could kind of now that I you know, prove to him that I ha- I understand the situation. We won't do that again. Got it. But I think in a lot of these things, you just don't have a way to like be understood to let people know that your intention was was true. And you said something earlier, and I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it got me thinking about this. That I think ultimately, <clears throat> the thing that we are in charge of, the thing that we have agency over, completely is our character, is who we are, what we decide to do, and then there's interpretation. There's people outside of us, for better or for worse, that will interpret your character and your actions based on their own experiences. You can't control that at all. So as long as we make our character, and this is not a maker thing, this is a human thing, as long as we make our character the priority to do and actively be and say and exist and represent the things that we think are the truth, the best, the good, that's the thing that we can do. And if we, if we make a mistake, hopefully people will square that mistake with the character that they know us by. Mm. And so I think a lot of times, you know, I've had a couple of really big scenarios in uh, sponsorship stuff where there was a lot of tension around it. Like, make me throw up at home kind of tension around it. And I didn't say anything because I knew that ultimately the character that I've tried to build over years should be enough to prove to those people that I had no ill intent. And if that's that's not enough, that's really heavy. Then if that's not enough, then there's nothing more that I could have done to convince those people that I was trying to do the right thing. Yeah, but I think I think that approach to things is a preparation, is building character, being yep. a person that you want to be seen as. Preach, and then letting it go. Mm. Preach you know? on. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything you're saying is exactly yeah. what I, you know, what I was going through two years ago. It was just like I could just be the best example of who I am. I never ever, you know, I have a lifetime of original concepts. And collaborations. I don't have this character. I don't have this reputation of doing this. And unfortunately, the worst example befell me that here I am. I, and, you know, going to the source and trying to make it right there. And then everything else between me and the source is going to be what it's going to be. That I have no control yeah. over it. So I never talked about it publicly. I never answered anybody's angry. Like, even now, I get the anxiety when I open Twitter. You guys notice how Twitter now gives you a million more mm. prompts yeah. because somebody you know tweeted? Yeah. So you open up Twitter, and there's like 17 notifications. Yeah. Twitter's Those dead, 17 like- notifications used to only be when your name was mentioned. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, no. Now happened? it's like, 
Howard Stern tweeted four times. I'm like, I don't care. I don't yeah. care at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Donald Trump made news. You know, I, I don't care. It's like I wish Twitter didn't do that anymore. But obviously, that's a piece of crap app at this point. But when I open up Twitter and I see the notification that says like seven, I'm like, all right, there's seven people with blue hair that hate me. Let's see what they have to say. And, you know, I got to go through those. But that feeling, is that gut punch is still there when I open Twitter. And it's like some maker on the other side of the world is saying what a horrible person I am because they believe somebody in China saying bad things about me. And there's no way I can ever reconcile that. Yeah. So uh, nowadays those seven or 10 or 15 notifications are just usually nonsense and mostly always positive things based on our conversations. Usually that's the only time I get like a Twitter notification is the conversations we talk about. So, but that little gut instinct of like okay here i'm gonna have to deal with people bad-mouthing me publicly because they believe somebody who's has no idea who i am here we go but you know, it doesn't happen as much anymore so david jimmy and i both have like taken your current situation apologies for that no but i think it's no. i think it's a it's, common thing yeah. that we've all run into right so back to your particular situation like what's the what's the next step what's the is there a next step? I I think um well, I mean I I I don't know. I I think I am going to mention something in the next video where I design something and I'm going to call myself out. I think that's appropriate. Uh I pinned a comment saying in on that video and also in the description calling myself out. Um so I think uh, I'm gonna do do what I can. Maybe we'll get some eyeballs mm -hmm. on stuff Seth makes, and mm -hmm. and then I uh, hopefully that that uh, allows me to move on. I think the next step for me personally uh, in in the future is to show where inspiration or stolen designs come from, and but more importantly mm -hmm. to do research. Don't just look at something and and, and assume. I had less assuming, more research. Mm. Or, you know, if you do find something that's not a 25, 30, 40-year-old design that everybody knows, you could also call – you can call it out. You say, this is an Eames design. And here yeah. it is. You spring yeah. this. I mean, Offer up he, the source. Whoever it is, whether it's new or old. One of, one of his uh, points was you didn't even mention me. And I think a lot of times when we are really proud of our designs, all we really want is just to be credited for it's something honor, cool yeah. That, yeah, that we did. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Well, hopefully it's just, you know, this will, anybody listening, this will bring just an awareness to credit to them to do the same, to avoid, because a simple credit, again, I don't think it was intentional, but that moment of just like, oh, I found this design from this person. The end. Move on. You're done. It would have saved a huge amount of tension and stuff mm -hmm. on your end. You know what I mean? So uh, if nothing else, maybe this conversation will help somebody give that little bit of credit to have to avoid, you know, all of the stuff that goes along with a mistake like this. Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, I think when dealing with the aftermath of any of these things it can be and again i'm only speaking for myself from a different scenario but i think it can be this weird combination of guilt 
but it's not really guilt. It's more, I, w- I just want to be understood for what the truth is or what my intentions were. And sometimes that can lead us to overcompensate in our apology so that our, our trying to be, and again, me, our trying to be understood, our trying to be clarified, maybe outweighs the actual offense or the impact of the offense. And so it's absolutely good to make things right. It's not good to be self-deprecating to the point to where you're like overcompensating. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think it's just my advice. It, in the future, like if you make that other video and you were talking about that, calling yourself out, I think there's a fine line there between like, look, here's the scenario. I didn't mean anything by it. Here's somebody, you know, and look, guys, I made a mistake. Look, guys. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. One of those, like, the YouTube videos that starts with, look, guys. Mm. You know, you don't want to do that. I think think it's really easy in the world, in the dramatic world (laughs) of YouTube to over, and social media to overcompensate. Um, with with that like apology yeah. syndrome thing, and you know what you should do, so Dave? Th- get a some ukulele line in between there, and write a poem. Get it write a, <laughs> an apo- with a ukulele <laughs> and sing a song. Who did that? What's her name? Miranda. Girl, yeah, Miranda uh, sings. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> sing an apology oh, yeah. song. <laughs> oh, it's out of tune. <laughs> it's so out of tune. <laughs> that was All a right. good try. After show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's gonna play an auto tune guitar for the whole lot. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> right up. Cool. All right. Well, we got anything else on this? Any other thoughts? That's it. Yeah. That's it. Cool. Now we all feel okay. guilty. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't. You don't need to bring that stuff back up for yourself. You know. <laughs> <laughs> None of us do. Just move on. Um, all right. Cool. Well, I want to thank best our, intentions. Best intentions. intentions. I want to thank our Patreon supporters because I think they know our character. They know that we are not perfect. We are just... In fact, we had a really nice comment. Where was that? Let me find that. Hang on. David liked it this morning or yesterday or something. Um, And it brought it back up. We had a really nice comment from... Getting there. Somebody on Instagram. I can't find... Almost there. Wait, almost found it. Oh, Maker Mush. Yeah. Um, had a really nice just post about us. And um, he said, <laughs> the three of us aren't trying or pretending to be anything other than who they are. Three friends talking about the work that they do with all its joys and challenges. And I was like, well, that's a perfect byline for the show. <laughs> that's, sweet. that's great, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, it was really cool. It's a nice post. Thank you very much for Thank that. Thank you. But um, we, responses like that, it shows me that people that listen to this show do kind of understand us, I think. And um, our Patreon supporters, I think, do. And they are willing to support the show because of it. And so I'm really grateful for them. Uh, we have top supporters that just, honestly, I don't know why they go above and beyond. They don't need to, they don't have to, they don't get anything extra other than me saying their name, but I'm really thankful that they do. Uh, that's Nick Ryan, Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Chad's Custom Creations, 
Rich at Lowen Design, Odin Leather Goods, Sean Beckner, Scott at Dad It Yourself DIY, The New Janky Workshop, Warren Works, Michael Menegin, and Crabtree Creative. Um, again, I'm not you. not trying to talk them out of the support. I don't mean that, <laughs> but I am very grateful, and I don't really understand why they go above and beyond. But I'm thank I'm you, grateful that they thank do. you. Also, people like uh, Kyle Roberts. Also, What's up, Kyle there's a Roberts? bunch of other people that don't get their name mentioned, and we're grateful for them as well. Uh, they all get the after show. Everybody at every level, uh, even if it's like you know the lowest level, you still get the after show. And apparently today, Jimmy is going to give us an Adam Savage story in the after show. I wrote it down so we wouldn't forget. Mm. <laughs> um, also, I noticed this is a new thing for Patreon that I... or Maybe it's not new. It's new to me on Patreon. There are free followers. Free members is what they call them. And there's... We have 300 people who are free members... Now, free members don't get anything. They don't get the after show. And so I'm I'm curious. I just learned about this, and I want to look into what a free member is, like why you even would do that because you don't get anything. So I'm curious, if you're one of those free members, send us a message and tell us why. Like, what are you, what are you getting? Is it just notifications? or what? I'm curious about that. I don't really understand about it. But if you're in that free member group, you're missing out on the after show, so jump in and get the after show. There's a music or don't. There's a music channel that I that I follow, <clears throat> and too many of his videos were getting flagged by for copyright because he would show an example of an established song, and mm. so he recently said that hey, I have to change my videos because I keep getting flagged and I don't want to lose my channel, and so he's like, there is a paid Patreon membership that you can go to but also the non-paid just the members will get those videos where I, he doesn't have to worry about the the, the, the copyright thing and it, which got me thinking like I wonder what I could do over there that I couldn't do on, on YouTube so um, just that's just something hmm. I'm also I've also been thinking about all your gun conversations. All my gun conversations, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you're going to have to do it. Anyway, if you want to you get the after show, uh, if you want to become a free member, I guess, <laughs> you can go to patreon.com slash making it and, and do that and let mm -hmm. us know what you get out of it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we are really thank grateful you, thank for you, thank you. over there, so thank you. Thank you. Do you have anything to recommend? My pick's going to be week? stuff Seth makes. Simple as that. My cool, pick cool. is stuff Seth. Oh makes. man! Oh, All and right. Dusty Slay. And Dusty Slay's new Netflix is hilarious. What? I love Dusty Slay. I talked about him before we started. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, and, and kids, kids, what? kids invent stuff. Ruth, well, go come check on. Out you kids can't have stuff. three. Goodness gracious, man! <laughs> I gotta, <laughs> gotta like change the way I'm typing this take, up and everything. Take it to Twitter. Okay. Um, I'll do stuff Seth makes as well. Just. Because I did look at his website, and he does have some really nice work. And he has it's videos, so beautiful I'm going to go check out some of the videos. Yeah, we'll do that. All right, cool. Well, um, All right. I guess don't have anything else. I guess that's it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Love you. Thanks for listening, everybody. I just stretched. Next time. <laughs>